Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking about the crazy world of MLS because even though MLS is in the offseason and it's February, the news has not stopped. We've had transfers, we have had Champions League bonanzas, we even had a CBA fun saga that we'll talk all about in this episode. So thanks so much for tuning in as we get into another episode But before we get into talking soccer for a little bit, uh, work still is happening, school is still happening, and life is still happening. So Josh, before we get into all things MLS, want to check in on how was your week this week, Josh? It was pretty good. Uh, Again, I was teaching a lot this week, sort of back to normal a bit. Um, And I actually got to rehearse a piece of music for the first time now since March, I guess it's been. Uh, it was a small group of five of us um, able to get together for its percussion ensemble piece. Uh, so for listeners who don't know, I, I got my college degree, university degree in music education to become a music teacher, uh, but still play when I can. And so getting to play again this week was a lot of fun. And with a couple people I hadn't seen since March, which was the last concert I was in before the pandemic happened. Actually, on the way to that concert, I was talking to a friend about covid and the craziness and how it was probably going to start getting worse here and then it definitely did that in like less than a week so pretty pretty crazy time so it felt good to finally get back to rehearsing finally connor it's probably blowing your mind that i'm around people doing anything like that but uh i pro- i promise it was it was pretty safe as as far as 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 far as it can be i guess but anyway uh, i call bull <laughs> wandavision has gotten incredibly insane If you guys like the Marvel stuff, if you like the Marvel movies, if you like MCU, you've got to watch WandaVision. It is so good. I wish I could talk about the craziness that happened, but it's such a huge spoiler that I won't even get close. But I I will say this. I like called friends like as soon as I watched the episode. But the problem is I watch the episodes in the morning because I have free time in the mornings and everybody I know is busy working, you know, having a normal life. And so no one was able to talk to me about it. I was really bummed for a while. But, Drew, how was your week this week? My week has been good, I guess. I'm not sure what happened this week. Um, I I don't know. School, Dude, there are weeks like that. I know. This is one of those weeks, man. Tuesdays and Thursdays are my busy days. Um, but today wasn't too busy. It's funny you mention how life was like before COVID hit. Because we're like about a month away from a year when everything just like collapsed on us. And I was at a University of Georgia softball game 
when I got the news that like March Madness was canceled, which the Final Four was in Atlanta that year. So that was a really big deal for us. And I was eating hot dogs at Georgia Softball. And softball season starts tomorrow here in Athens. So it's kind of like, oh, geez, it's been a year and we're still not. The end, I don't think, is in sight. But, yeah, um, got to watch some soccer today. I watched uh, some FA Cup. I watched Tottenham get really close to pulling up a really fun comeback. What a joke. Um, (laughs) And then, because I started watching it because I saw you tweeting about, like, they were just getting annihilated. And it was three to one, and then I left, and it was three to three, and I come back and see the final score. So I missed a really good game. That was fun. Um, what else? Yeah, I haven't done a whole lot. Got to read some books. Got to hang out. Went on a run today, so that was always fun. Um, but school's hanging in there. Um, yeah, thankfully Thursday's usually like the real end of my week, so I think this should be the end. And baseball season's almost here, which is very exciting for in my life. I'm very excited for baseball season. Um, but Connor, how was your week? How's school doing for you so far? Uh, decent week. We'll forget about anything that happened in the other sports world. How about the Hawks? Oh the yes, the well. Hawks beat um, the Raptors. You were not going to get away with that we one. We weren't going to say anything Fred until Van you mentioned who? Fred Van Who? I don't think so. Go Hawks, baby. You see what I have to deal with, people? <laughs> you see what I have to deal with? Missing our, what? Missing our third best player. Hey, we were missing our second best, best player. player. No, you weren't. Yes, we were. DeAndre, bro, DeAndre Hunter. Drew, tell him he's good, man. I know. I know. Clint Capella's like taking over right now because the man can rebound better than anyone in the league. But DeAndre Hunter, he's I, he's flying under the radar. He's he's good. And he's good. He can do bad. it all. It's bad that we've lost him for a while because he was like a real true number two option to Trey Young in terms of scoring, and he could play defense. So I'm nervous for the Hawks. And Trey Young just got fine. Did you guys see that? Yes. And yet we still beat the Raptors. That tells you how terrible the Raptors are. Who were missing their best 3 and D player on their team. Same. In OG Ananobi. Uh, but we'll just ignore that entire fact and act like DeAndre Hunter is the second coming of Clay Thompson. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not I didn't that say that. We player. didn't say that. Hold no, no, your horses no, no, no. there, Captain. Well, That's Kevin it, Herter, the way, by the way. Who gives a crap? Um, <laughs> from the way you talked about it, sure sounded like he was the next coming of, uh, <laughs> next coming of JJ Redick or Clay Thompson. But uh, apart from that loss, week's been pretty good. Wrote a midterm today, um, but my week actually got a lot better uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, when I finally got my lawnmower 3.0 from Manscape, who are kind enough to sponsor this episode. So. Let's hear a little bit about Manscaped. Support for the MLS Multiplex podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We also have an exclusive offer for you. 20% 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. When you get the lawnmower 3.0, not only do you get a fantastic trimmer, but you also get an amazing pair of boxer briefs and a carrying case. So if you want to get your own lawnmower 3.0, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always get the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 
All right, now that I have broken the golden rule in broadcasting of bringing us back after doing an ad read, let's get into some soccer because there was quite a lot that happened with North Americans abroad. And I think we should start off with the Canadians and what happened most recently uh, today in Alfonso Davies winning the Club World Cup over that crap club Tigres. Um, <laughs> which one <laughs> um, nothing Bayern Munich captured the Club World Cup. Did you guys watch the game? I caught uh, bits and pieces of it. I was able to flip it on, and then Joshua Kimmich scored a banger, and I jumped in the shower, and I got out, and the goal was gone. <laughs> so I missed that it had been overturned from VAR, uh, but then I, I kind of had it on after that and watched it a bit. Uh, I thought Tigres hung on the best they could, but obviously you know they don't have the, the talent to match a team like Bayern Munich, who... If you guys didn't see, have won more trophies now than they have lost under manager Hansi Flick. So that is just insane, incredible stat. Yeah, I caught a little bit of it. Um, I think Alfonso Davies came really close to scoring, if I'm not wrong. I don't remember what minute it was. I think he took a good shot. It was after Kimmich's goal got called off. Um, but yeah, Tigres, the first team from North America to make the final beat Palmeiras from Brazil. Uh, South American champions. I want to ask you guys, because this is interesting. Um, I imagine, Connor, you kind of told us who you were pulling for. Uh, but Josh, were you were you pulling for Tigres? Was there any CONCACAF loyalty in that game? I mean, I, I wanted Tigres to win just for, like, the memes, you know? Like, I don't... You, you know, with a game like this, where it's, like, so lopsided on paper, I feel like you have no choice but to kind of root for the underdog a little bit. Like, it's it's always the European team that wins the Club World Cup. Yes, some South American teams have won it every now and then, but, you know, whatever it is, like eight or nine times out of ten, it's going to be the big European giant. So I cheered for Monterey last year against Liverpool, which did much better. I saw a small debate about that on Twitter today about which team fared better in the final um, and it's definitely Monterey, in my opinion, no question. But yeah, I, I was cheering for Tigres just a little bit, just to just to see something monumental like that. Yeah, some big takeaways from today's match are Tigres are better than Barcelona um, because they didn't lose eight to two. Surprisingly, Tigres did hold their own. Uh, they didn't get absolutely blown out of the water, which I think a lot of people were surprised by. Uh, although they didn't have. Their full, full squad um, with Mueller not playing. But pretty solid match from both sides. I was impressed by Tigres, to be completely honest. Uh, I was obviously pulling for my boy, Fonzie. Uh, but former if I'd Vancouver seen t- Whitecap, Fonzie, that is. Yes, former Vancouver Whitecap. Side note, just purchased him in my FIFA career mode today. Very excited about that. He's my new left back. Who are you running and how much money do you have? I'm running Leeds United and I only spent forty five million on him. Wow. Wait, no. That's no no, I'm sorry. It was sixty eight. It was sixty eight million. It's a little bit more realistic, but still you, not quite there. You wanna talk realistic? Okay, I tried to buy Jaden Sancho for hundred and fifty million and Borussia Dortmund came back at me with a two hundred and forty eight million evaluation. I was like, ah, I can't do that. <laughs> That sounds extremely realistic from EA Sports. Um, wow. So, yeah, Alfonso Davies is good. He was unbelievable today. Um, 
at the end of the first half, I think he was like, in terms of statistics, one of the best players on the pitch. Uh, but again, just another trophy added to Fonzie's trophy case that he has more of than all our current American talent. Uh, but another Canadian doing very well, Jonathan David, scored two goals for Lille uh, over the weekend. I take it you two didn't see that match either. Good, because I don't think I did uh, as well. So we'll quickly move on from that and talk about some guys who actually matter to you too. Uh, specifically, Miguel Almiron, who followed in Jonathan David's footsteps and scored two goals in Newcastle's 3-2 win over Southampton. Drew, you're a Newcastle fan because of Miguel Almiron. How did that make you feel? It was wonderful. The amount of Miguel Almiron content I saw on my Twitter in the past week was great because it was his birthday a couple of days ago. So happy birthday, MLS Cup champion, Miggy. Um, he announced that he is having a boy. So that's really exciting. And he scored a brace over Southampton. One of the goals was at first ruled an own goal, but then they they overruled it and gave it to him. So he got a brace. And this was like Newcastle's second win in three games, which I know doesn't sound impressive, but considering it was like also their second win in like eight games or something like that, that's pretty good. So that was good to see them finally get a win. Things look like they're kind of clicking. I thought they were going to blow it because I think they were up 3-1 at one point and then Southampton got that second. But that was really good to see him get two goals. Um, hopefully he'll start rolling. Newcastle start getting some results. Josh, did you get to catch that game at all? Or what are your feelings about Almiron kind of kicking it up maybe in the Premier League? Yeah, I don't I don't recall getting to see this game. I, I, I think I followed along the best I could. I must have been teaching or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great for, for Miggy. I'm really glad that he's finally getting played in his proper position. He's finally getting... A, a run in a spot that he's comfortable with and clearly shines in. So Newcastle fans are happy. He's in the right spot. Atlanta fans are happy. He's in the right spot. Seems like everybody's happy. Like you said, I don't know if Newcastle, you know, if they'll still be comfortable over the next few weeks. I imagine that either teams will start to, to game plan for this or, you know, injuries could always happen. So I don't know if Newcastle is going to be able to keep it up. They've clearly been struggling up to this point, but hopefully no matter what, you know, Miggy's doing well. Yeah, it's always good to see the former MLS products doing well. And another former MLS attacking midfielder who is doing well, Burden Aronson, scoring his first goal for RB Salzburg in a 3-1 to win over Austria Vienne, uh, is how I'll say it. Um, did either of you catch that game? Because I saw the goal, but I didn't see the game. No, I was going to say I saw the goal, but I didn't see the game. So you, It was a good goal. <laughs> it was, was a very fun. I'm, it was. I'm glad it made its rounds. Yeah. Uh, there was one account who tweeted that out, and every soccer media member ap- appeared to jump on it and retweet it. So it was hard to avoid it, but I love the little almost off-the-ball body shake that sort of sold the defenders, and then that curl around the keeper. Just chef's kiss. Um yeah, his footwork was phenomenal on that goal. Definitely was able to make it happen on his own, which was super impressive. Good sign for his potential European uh, development and continuing on to a big five league, which based on his current form, I would not be surprised to see that happen pretty soon. Uh, potentially with Leipzig because, you know, Red Bull only buy players in their own system. Uh, but another, yeah, 
just again, it's more MLS players succeeding. Uh, even though not everyone has been doing as well as Biggie uh, and Aronson, Jordan Morris uh, is still playing pretty well, starting for Swansea, which is huge, uh, in the FA Cup match against Manchester City, where Zach Steffen started in goal, uh, and Paul Ariola made his debut coming off the bench. Did you guys see the Swansea-Manchester City match? I did get a chance to watch that, and that was a, a fun match, just... Fun to see Jordan Morris going up against Man City. Once again, I did take an ill-timed shower, and I believe I missed like two <laughs> of Man City's three goals. Like it was like one nothing, and then I got back out, and it was like three nothing. I was like, "What the heck?" So I need to I need to pick a better time to take my showers, I guess. But it was cool. It was cool to see Morris out there. Obviously, Zach Steffen played well enough to keep a clean sheet. I think the final score was three nothing in that one. Um, I've just been intrigued by man city and sort of their tactical evolution this season it's been really really fun to watch um and then again like seeing like i said seeing morris honestly he could hang with city's defenders from what i could see in terms of speed and athleticism so that was really cool to see and then obviously good for paul Ariola to 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 get an appearance as well also a little fun thing about that jordan morris appeared to be playing in the left striker role for swansea there in like a Three, five, two, five, three, two, kind of setup. So two strikers, and he subbed off, and Paul Ariola jumped in the same spot. Also played that left striker role. So I don't know how much of you know how much playing the same position they'll do uh, for the rest of the season, but definitely something I, I'm, I'll be keeping an eye on. And another debut, which we forgot to put on the dock, was Daryl DK made his debut for Barnsley today, uh, and there were some pictures going around of him smiling on this uh, as he was waiting to come on, which that looked amazing. Uh, looks like a kid's dream coming true. And whenever you get to see that, I'm a huge fan. I don't know. Did either of you see the game? And Drew, did you see the Swansea Man City match? I did not. I just remember um, that Barnsley played Chelsea today and lost one to nothing. So in Pulisic played nothing special about that. So there's really no storyline about that game. But yeah, it was good seeing DK come on such a big game. Um, also, Chris Richards made his debut for Hoffenheim. Uh, we talked about his loan from Bayern Munich last week. So it was good to see him. Uh, I don't have exact stats, but from what I saw on Twitter, it looks like it was a pretty decent debut. So that's really exciting to see him getting minutes off that. Um, but if you guys have nothing else to add to North Americans abroad, we can get into some international play. But Connor looks like he has some more takes on North Americans abroad. Uh, no, I didn't see it. But Josh, did you see Richard's debut? He, I got to see like an all touches video. It was like a nice two and a half minute video of everything he did on the ball. And he looked really solid. He played, there was one ball in particular that he played that was fantastic, especially for a center back. Love to see it in a young up and coming player. So be fun to watch him. Yeah. So exciting to see young Americans in North Americans tearing up in Europe. Um, but transitioning to when they all get to play together, uh, the U.S. men, I think, announced sometime this week, um, after we recorded our last episode, that they will take on Northern Ireland on March 28th. will be played in Belfast, the capital of North, North Northern Ireland, I think. So that's really exciting. We'll talk more about that as rosters drop, because um, that is coming in about a little over a month. But what is coming a lot more soon and has a lot more importance to this podcast is a week from today... The no, U.S. Men's national team, the four-time... We can time just ignore that this game's ever going to happen. <laughs> Bro, Please. you need to have more faith in Canada. Like, it's not like your Columbia are going to get six goals scored on you. Jump ship fast, man. 
no, because I believe the women's team has played multiple games uh, since the pandemic started because the U.S. doesn't take it seriously, as Josh's concert proves. Um, but <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It was just a rehearsal with five people. Still, we couldn't dream of doing that in Ontario. Um, but <laughs> we won't get into the COVID talk. Uh, I don't think Canada's played a game since the pandemic began. So I'm not expecting much in terms of a positive outcome, shall we say. So next week's episode should be pretty painful uh, for me as you continue to roast me like you roasted me today with the Atlanta Hawks and Toronto Raptors who are losing to the Boston Celtics. How's Canada's roster? Like, have they like what what players are going to be in there? Like, are they sending Sinclair in there? Is it like what what players are they looking like they're going to have? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, but yeah, I have no idea honestly in terms of what their roster is looking like. I haven't seen much, uh, if anything, that I can remember off the top of my head. But even if it's the top top players against uh, whatever the U.S. produces. I still think it's probably unlikely that we'll lose, but I would have said that when Canada beat the U.S. men's national team uh, last year, or I guess technically now over a year ago uh, in November of 2019, if you can remember then. Uh, but Oh Josh, my God, this is blowing my mind right now. I, oh, I, I totally know. felt like that was way sooner. Ugh. Yeah. That was November 2019 uh, was the last time that Canada beat the U.S. in an international match. And it'll be the uh, last time ever. I <laughs> beg to disagree, but you also may not be completely wrong because it did take us quite a long time to do it again. Uh, <laughs> but let's move on to something which is more enjoyable for me. Uh, <laughs> specifically transfers abroad you both know i love transfers and that entire selling of players and all the fine rumors and stuff that comes with that but i didn't see this transfer and i didn't know this happened so <laughs> tell me about this fc dallas move brandon Cervenia, a midfielder for fc dallas is joining austrian side saint polton on loan for the remainder of the season i believe it was and I threw this in the dock. To me, this is a significant move because, so first of all, it's hard to keep up with all the talent Dallas has, all the young talent that they have, especially all the academy kids. You know, feels like every single one of them is going overseas either to train with Bayern or to just join a team. But they still have tons of players that are good uh, for MLS and are developing with the first team and whatnot. And Brandon Cervania was a player who was getting a decent run of minutes with the team, I want to say, during the 2019 season. I think he was on the U-20 World Cup side that also played in, in 2019. I reference that team a lot because there are a lot of good players on the team, but he's one of them. And because of the pandemic, because of injury, because of other talent on the team, Cervania did not play much for Dallas in 2020. And so I think him getting a loan move in this case is significant because it shows the team still sees talent in him and they want him to keep playing. So I really like this move for him, you know, from a both the U.S. side and a, and a club side in terms of his development. 
And another interesting note about this is he's not the only U.S. U-20 player joining St. Poulton. Taylor Booth is also joining the team, and he's not a very common name, and that's because he went from the RSL Academy straight to Bayern Munich, which is technically the team he plays for now, although you know we've never really heard of him because he's never done anything outside of their U-23 team or whatever, their Bayern Munich 2 team. And so he's also getting sent to St. Poulton. So just something that I thought was interesting, especially for two U-20 players uh, now getting a chance in Austria, which only had one player before this transfer window and now has five because Brandon Aronson and Andrew Wooten, both Philadelphia players, are also now in the Austrian league. So very interesting. Maybe the Austrian league might be a, a new league for players to go develop in once they're done stateside. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I know, because I think the loan is until the end of the Austrian Bundesliga season, which I think I looked up and it ends March 21st, I think is that last match, which as we'll talk about later, um, that really does won't interfere that much with as far as playing MLS games. So that's really exciting. Um, and yeah, the league is only 12 teams in St. Polner in eighth, which I don't know if that's relegation zone or how that works in Austria, but really exciting because Dallas, it feels like, are one of the best clubs in the league of cranking out really young talent. Um, so excited to see that. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some minutes. I think he, I read the MLS soccer background thing on him and he missed a lot of last year with injury um, with an MCL tear, I think, or maybe not a tear, but some of his MCL. So it's good to see him getting playing time before the season starts. Um, but alone that is near and dear to Josh and I's heart as Josh goes to the bathroom. So maybe Connor and I will talk about this <laughs> loan. Uh, Franco Escobar loaned back to new old boys in Argentina where he came from before. Um, I think it was rumored for a while, but it was official. I think the club has the option to buy for the 2022 season. Um, but he will spend this upcoming season in Argentina with a club that he first came from. Uh, I think that's where Tata Martino also coached in Argentina, if I'm not mistaken. So, Josh, what do you think? Were you surprised about it at all? What is what is it like? Who's who do you think the backup? Who do you think the next right back is going to be? Because for me, I feel like in this dreadful 2020 season, Franco Escobar was either really good or really bad. And when he was really good, it was like this sense of old Atlanta because he won MLS Cup with the team, he won U.S. Open Cup with the team. So I just don't who I just don't know who's going to be that right back guy because there's a lot of options playing right back. So who do you think Atlanta should have in that right back role now that Escobar is gone? And also, do you think he's going to come back because he still has the option in 2022? So are you saying sayonara forever or do you think he'll be back? So first, you know, options for Atlanta. Brooks Lennon has played a significant amount of right back in his career. So I, I do think he's an option, although I don't know if the team wants to use him there. If you remember way back when Anton Walks played right back for the team back in 2017. So again, I don't know if Heinze wants to use Walks there. I don't even think he appeared at right back once for us this past season, surprisingly. And then on top of that, there have been rumors for, I think, months now that a right back from Aberdeen in Scotland is set to join Atlanta United. And that's a big deal because Aberdeen and Atlanta have a club partnership and United loaned out John Gallagher there and he developed nicely. He came back, contributed to Atlanta. Now he's with Austin. 
but we, you know, Atlanta has not received anything from Aberdeen. So it looks like Ronald Hernandez is on his way over. It's more of a matter of, of when, not if. He, if I remember correctly, is a Venezuelan or Colombian international. Like he's had full senior team caps and has had a handful of them. So I imagine he's probably the replacement for Escobar. As for Franco leaving, like you said, he had a super up and down 2020 season. And you're right, man. When he was on, the team felt different. There was a different energy about them. You could tell he was a leader in that locker room and had a strong influence on the rest of the team. And so when he was bad, the team was really bad. And when he was good, it almost made Atlanta Atlanta again. So as a fan, I'm really disappointed to be seeing him going. I don't think he's coming back, though. All these loan moves that Atlanta keeps making, it just really feels like it's a workaround with MLS's salary cap rules. And also, I don't know if all these loans have something to do with the CBA taking so long. I mean, you never know. So I think it's just a matter of time. And the same for these couple other players that I think you're about to mention. When was this loan move announced? Uh, a couple days ago. I can't remember so the after, specific. So after the CBA? Yeah. That makes me feel like it's less likely related to the CBA and more likely Escobar just wants to go to Newell. Uh, well, I, I, this is purely speculation, mostly from Felipe Cardenas at The Athletic, and he's got a, a really good relationship with the Spanish-speaking players because he is a fluent Spanish speaker. And he kind of made it seem like Franco didn't want to go back to Argentina Maybe this was just the best case scenario for him. It's He first reported that the team was open to trading him or transferring him away weeks ago, and then came the Newell's offer. So you're right. It probably doesn't have to do anything with the CBA, but I'm not really sure if he really wanted to go back to Argentina. It's just kind of like the team came and said, hey, we're not going to give you a raise next year, just like they didn't give all their other great players raises, and said, we don't mind losing you. And so this... Still feels shady to me from the front office. Still feels like a gamble, especially with all these other players they're trying to send away. Yeah, and those players that Josh is talking about that are possibly being sent away, they have not been made official like Franco Escobar. Um, but Eric Remetti and Fernando Mesa also reportedly going out on loan. Again, nothing has been made official. Um, I haven't heard anything about teams specifically with Mesa's loan, but Remetti I have seen more so with being linked with the San Jose Earthquakes, which is crazy to me to imagine him playing with the San Jose Earthquakes. I saw with our friend Ivan on his podcast, Tectonic Takes. I encourage you to give that a listen. They tweeted something about it. Um, but he's linked with Independiente in Argentina, San Jose. Um, and Fernando Mesa linked with San Lorenzo, as I see now in the dock, which San Lorenzo has a uh, home of Tito Villalba in Atlanta United. So we have some clubs back in Argentina linked with that. Um, I, my, I'm not disappointed about, again, if all these happen, Remedi, I thought Remedi was a very big, he downgraded, I thought, this past season. Um, he was not nearly what I think I'd grown accustomed to seeing him. I thought he turned the ball over a lot, um, especially with some players that Atlanta is being linked to, specifically Santiago Sosa, I think, from River Plate. I think would play that is in that defensive midfielder role, again, if that happens, um, which it sounds like that's going to happen. I think he even said himself that he's li- leaving River um, but still waiting on that to be made official. But Mesa, I don't understand who, who's going to replace this guy. Because the Remedi thing, I'm cool with. And 
but the the Mesa thing, I don't know because Miles Robinson's going to be that constant center back. He's young, he's good. I'm excited. Miles Robinson's going to be Miles Robinson. But I have no idea who. Maybe they're looking at someone else from Aberdeen, or I don't know. But Josh, what do you think about more players in this defensive midfield or the center back role? Looking like they're going to leave Atlanta soon. Yeah, like you said, if Santiago Sosa gets in there, I think that's a, a strong midfielder to have, and I'm not as worried about losing Rometty. And and like you said, he really looked like he regressed this past year and just not at all a good player. So I don't really mind losing Rometty. One thing I want to say, though, Matias Almeida is a BLCista, and he runs that man-marking scheme. And the closest thing we're going to see to that is Heinze's Atlanta United. So I don't really get moving Rometty from that the same style team to another same style team. Like, is it, are you saying that Atlanta doesn't think Rometty's good enough, but San Jose does, or do they just want him as depth? You know, he's an MLS veteran at this point, and I believe he has a green card, so he doesn't have to take up an international roster spot. So that's that aspect of the move. Should it happen? Really intriguing to me. But yeah, losing Meza, it, it just. All of it feels rough because we're losing all these defensive players like in the span of a week, it feels like. And so all of a sudden, really thin at the back for Atlanta. So I don't really know. I, they were really, really going after this U23 River Plate defender, Hector David Martinez. Uh, and that turned into a, a huge deal because apparently Marcelo Gallardo called Martinez and was like, I really, really want you back with River Plate. And even though Atlanta offered four times salary that River Plate did, I mean, it's Marcelo Gallardo, so they still got him back anyway. So I guess be on the lookout for a couple center back signings coming up. It seems like Atlanta is going to need some help in the defense. This is just a weird thing that wasn't in the doc, but I've just noticed this following the South American transfers. But maybe this is just a South American thing, or maybe I just don't pay attention to transfers. But have you guys noticed that this is – like, I keep seeing that multiple teams have control of one player. Like, sometimes, like, a team has 60% control of a player, and another team has 40, and you talked about Martinez and River and Defensa, I think, are the two teams. Is that, like, a South American thing, or is that, like, everywhere? As far as I know, I, I think it's mostly prevalent in South America, and it has to do with, like, clubs protecting, you know, like, their investment, their side of it, you know, the financial side of things. I can't remember the exact reasoning for it. And there are still ways around the rule. I think I saw someone mention earlier this week that Italy abolished that rule six years ago to where you could own percentages of players. So I don't really know. Again, I think it's just kind of a South American prevalent thing where they're all about, you know, trying to get as much of their investment and secure it as much as possible, I guess. It's interesting from my perspective to hear you guys talk about Rometty and talk about these outgoing transfers and having a thin back line um, because I've lived through the second half of that last season, but I don't think it's necessarily fair to criticize somebody for not having a good season last year. The reason for that is we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's going to affect everybody differently. So while yes, Romedi may have had a worse season last year, I don't think that's something that you can just say that's because he's just regressed, period. I, like, the pandemic is a serious, serious problem. You'll, people will come at me and say, you've said the same thing about Josie. 
the issue with Josie is it isn't just last season. It's multiple years. Why do you think that Remedi has decreased in performance uh, and played not up to the standard that you expect? And why do you think it'll continue into the future? So to clarify, my comment on him having regressed is not solely based on 2020. That's taking into account 2019 as well. Now, to be fair, I do think a large portion, a large part of his not improving as a player or worsening as a player is mostly because of Frank DeBoer. And I mean, that happened to a lot of the players on the team. I think it's the same reason why PT Martinez never really got going, but I don't even know if Martinez would have done well in Tata's that that's a whole nother thing. But Rometty, the thing with him is he was a quick solution to a like to a surprising problem. So in order to understand this, you got to go back to the January transfer window of the 2018 season. Atlanta lost Carlos Carmona, who was a, I think, Chilean World Cup veteran. And so he was a huge presence on the field, and especially in the defensive midfield. He quickly had to go home to be with his wife, who was expecting. And so they lost Carmona the tail end of the window. Didn't have defensive midfield coverage. They brought in Rometty over the summer. And obviously he featured for Tata and was an important player. He was on the field for the team's MLS Cup and all that stuff. You know, he's an important player. But then again, DeBoer comes in. He messes up everything for everybody. And I have no doubt that the pandemic really affected things for him as it has for all of us. But there were certainly signs of him not fitting into Atlanta's plans as far back as 2019. And part of it truly, in my opinion, just from watching him is he's just not technical enough. He is a good defensive presence, but even then his positioning at times was questionable, but I'm not sure how much of that is because Atlanta went through two coaches last year. So again, there's just so many factors for things going wrong in Atlanta as many people witnessed and I just think Rometty might be a casualty of that, just like P.T. Martinez and Manuel Castro and all these other South American players that Atlanta has so quickly been getting rid of. And a really good, I think, judge of whether or not this is an issue with the talent that LA, or not LAFC, Atlanta are bringing in will be when P.T. Martinez rejoins FC Cincinnati because we all hope that will happen. But the big rumor this past week with FC Cincinnati, and we'll get to the player they actually brought in, but the big rumor with them was they were potentially going to bring Luciano Acosta, former D.C. United player who almost ended up on PSG, back from Mexico. What do you guys think about that rumor and do you think it makes sense, given the fact that FC Cincinnati would have to trade for the first spot in the allocation order because he has to go back through the allocation order? Right, because DC United has his MLS rights. So they would have, yeah, they would have to mess around with that to get him. Um, dang, I totally forgot about the allocation thing. That's a good point, Connor. But I think... I mean, I'm excited about it. Like, I thought he was like he was pretty good with DC United. Um, I think when we talk about the transfer that happens, um, uh, and first off, I'm assuming that Pity Martinez is just not going to happen. But we'll talk about that later. But I mean, I'm a fan of this Lucha Acosta thing because I think 
when you look at the transfer of Brenner, that we'll talk about a lot in a second because that was pretty big news. That I don't think Brenner solves all of FC Cincinnati's problems. And when you spend the money that they spent on Brenner, that it seems like they're trying to win now. This is not a spend one of the best fees in league history and hope that in a couple of years we'll see in the playoffs like they're trying to win now. And I don't think Brenner is not that player that can just show up in that number nine role, score a ton of goals, and you'll be in the playoffs and you'll make a run. Um, so I'm a fan of it. I think it complements Brenner well. Uh, the allocation thing, I mean, that's a really good point that I didn't consider. I think this report just broke not too long ago. Um, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see him back in the league, especially considering he was almost at PSG. We talked about that whole ordeal a couple episodes ago, I think just a little bit. So I'm excited to see him back in the league. I think we'll compliment it better. I'm excited to see FC Cincinnati actually looking like they're trying to not be the FC Cincinnati of old. So I'm excited to see it. Um, if it happens, it's not official with Blucho Costa, but I'm pumped about it if it does happen because I think he would compliment Brenner well, and I think that would make them potentially a playoff team um, in the Eastern Conference. Josh, what do you think about the possibility of Lucho Costa coming back to MLS and joining FC Cincinnati? So I... I would like to see it. I like Tacosta. He always caused trouble for Atlanta United. He was just a pest. So it'll be cool to see him torturing other teams in the league again. And he was a part of that huge play from Wayne Rooney, which is one of my favorite MLS highlights of all time. Dunking on Orlando in stoppage time with an open net. Um, so that really cool. So it'd be cool to have him back. So, my thing with this and with Cincinnati and all these moves that they're rumored to be making and the ones that they've already made, if they manage to get Acosta and PT Martinez along with Brenner, who is the officially announced player, I, I, I don't know what to think about that because on on paper that's such an exciting combination of players, so, you know the potential for some really special moments. But, I, man, I cannot get past the fact that they have a Dutch manager. And I just feel so scarred from Frank DeBoer. He has hurt me. He has hurt countless others. And so I just, I still cannot see it working. I just can't see, I, I, I'm just so so traumatized from the way it went down in Atlanta. So that aspect of it, I'm still a little worried about. Now, one thing I, I want to mention Correct me if I'm wrong, either of you, but from what I can tell based on the situation, and again, I'm not I'm not super knowledgeable about this stuff. MLS gets really, really uh, idiosyncratic sometimes, but uh, I, from what I can understand, Cincinnati only have to move up in the allocation order for PT, but they don't have to move up in the allocation order for Acosta. So there's a way that they can pay a certain fee to DC if they somehow get that worked out. They can get Acosta's rights. They've reportedly already agreed to a deal with his club in Liga MX. So they just need the rights from DC. But that has nothing to do with the allocation order, which means they can still get up into the first spot and still bring PT back, right? Yes, they could, but I don't know if they'd have enough DP slots left. First of all, um, I don't know how many DPs they have off the top of my head. Sorry, Cincinnati, I don't play that close attention to you. They could get rid of all three of their previous DPs, no problem, because those guys sucked. Well, Lacadia, I assume, is just gone. Pretty much. Because he was on loan. His loan runs until June of this year. 
He's linked with wow. the club in Israel. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone's assuming he's Israel. Yes. He is yeah. had a oh, fall from grace. Down. Wow. Maccabi Tel Aviv. Best Ooh. team there is in Israel. I say that because it's the only team I know, so I assume that they're the biggest one. I think they've had, I think Aaron Schoenfeld uh, with Austin FC, I think he came from there. I know he came from Israel. Huh. Well, either way, that's a massive fall from grace for Wilkadia, yeah, and I feel bad for him because he had such a good season that one year in the Eredivisie. Um, and then it just didn't work in the Prem, and it didn't work in MLS, and Israel, that league's just another tier below that, so we'll see whether or not he succeeds there, but yeah, I I don't know if this Acosta transfer will happen, because DC United are reportedly also interested in bringing Acosta back, uh, and also they're going to want a boatload of cash for Acosta. And I don't know if Cincinnati will want to cough up that amount of TAM slash GAM slash if whatever we're calling it at this point because they said they would phase out GAM or TAM and they sort of have, but they sort of haven't at the same time. And it just gets even more confusing as the years go on and I discover more money that I didn't even know was a thing in the new CBA. But yeah, it's... it's I've seen Cincinnati is an interesting case study and with them bringing in Brenner, they could either be unbelievable or this could be catastrophic to the potential and to the future of that club who is already in a bad spot given how terrible their team have been up until now. Uh, they spent 13 million on Brenner could rise to 15 million. We talked about it a little bit last week when the numbers sort of leaked as we were recording. Uh, but again, it's a big transfer. The third most expensive signing in MLS history. He's what I think 20 to 21 years old. Uh, Brazilian talent was very, very highly rated, but I want to know more of a big picture sort of thing from you guys. What do you think this will do for A, MLS, and B, the relationship between MLS and some of the other South American leagues? Because this is one of the first notable transfers I can remember from the Brazilian league. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because when, at least I know for me, when I think of Major League Soccer getting transfers from South America, my mind immediately takes me to the Argentina league. And we've seen that develop relationship develop, and it's still happening. So Brazil, this kind of again, I there's probably some, been some transfers from Brazil in the past, but I don't know if there's necessarily been anything as big as this. And what's really interesting when you look at who Sao Paulo is, who Brenner is coming from in Brazil, and I think right after they sold Brenner to FC Cincinnati, they sold another player to I think Ajax for like 17 million, something like that. I saw on transfer market. So this is a club that is selling players to really top teams in Europe. And then all along comes the worst team in major league soccer, taking away (laughs) one of their most consistent goal scores. So it's exciting about it just because that might be a new option in South America. I mean, we saw the South American champions came from Brazil. Um, So I think this is a start of a really good partnership. Again, if this guy is good, um, which I think he will be good because it's hard to be much worse than what FC Cincinnati has had lately. So I'm excited about it. I think it opens up a new door for the Brazilian league. Um, and again, especially, I don't know what FC Cincinnati's intentions with this guy are, if it's a very 
you know, maybe like Amiron type setup where you buy him for 15 million or 13 million and you plan on selling him to Europe for however much. Um, I don't know what their intentions are with this guy, but I'm excited about it because, like you said, Connor, I really don't can't remember the last star player to come from Brazil. So I'm really excited about this, and I'm even more excited that's FC Cincinnati because it look, they're just trying. Whether it flops on their face or not, it looks like they're trying, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm a very similar boat to Drew. I think it would be a huge deal if MLS could tap into the Brazilian market, and I mean, this is kind of a product of the pandemic, you know? MLS teams, they're jerks. They try to lock out their players, and they try to squeeze them for more money, but they are using some of that money, I guess, to be players in the global market when it comes to player sales. So that's something I would say. Uh, but yeah, getting, getting into Brazil is huge. I think I will say I'm very wary of the outcome of this transfer only because if you look at like the top 10 fees, all time MLS teams have paid for incoming transfers. Not a lot of them have really hit well. So I, I would be a little concerned about that. And even more so, for a Brazilian player, just because, you know, there's now a network of Argentinian players in MLS. When they get close to coming to the league, they always hit up their friends, their buddies, their teammates, and say, hey, what's MLS all about? What can I expect? They get glowing reviews from their friends, and bam, they're in the league. Not a lot of Brazilian players to reach out to, especially that I'm aware of. I can't really name any Brazilian players off the top of my head. But who knows? Maybe Brenner can be a, a pioneer in that sort of sense and bring over an influx of other Brazilian players. So that part of it is definitely exciting. But like I said, just a little nervous about it. It, it Yeah, you guys bring up good points. Um, I'm just trying to look up, see if I can figure this out. What transfers have happened between MLS and the Brazilian League? Um, I vaguely remember Toronto having Gilberto... I believe it was his name, Gilberto. I believe he came from the Brazilian League. I feel like an idiot because Atlanta literally has a Brazilian player on the team right now, and that is Mateus Rosetto. Totally forgot about him. I don't think he came from the Brazilian League, though. I think he came from the Argentinian League, so that's still interesting in that there's a Brazilian player here but did not make the transaction with a Brazilian club, if I remember correctly. I guess, Connor, you're checking that right now. I'm just trying to figure out where I could find it. Um... But yeah, it's again, it's like, it's good because it's creating this relationship, but they need to get it right. I think it's the biggest part of all of this transfer business, all of this Brazilians coming to MLS potentially now in the future is FC Cincinnati. Now I think have a relationship with Sao Paulo. Uh, that was part of the transfer agreement is they now have an ongoing relationship but yeah, it's, Cincinnati's going to be very, very interesting to, team to watch this year. And, uh, I don't know if you found the Brazilian thing, but if you haven't, oh yeah, I can confirm that Oseto did come from Atlético Paranaense, which is a Brazilian club. Now he's twenty four now, and the purchase was like very small. The fee was very, very small, so it's not like a big deal in the same way that Brenner is. But again, that like the fact that I kind of forgot about that and like had to think about it just shows you how little of Brazilian presence there is in MLS right now. Yeah, the Gilberto transfer that I remember uh, wasn't good. 
Like, I don't think it worked out very well. He's the guy in the famous Jermaine Defoe video uh, where they're fighting over the free kick. And then Gilberto drills a perfect free kick and scores. And Defoe just looks shocked um, <laughs> because that was just TFC uh, prior to bringing in Giovinco. But yeah, let's. we've talked about FC Cincinnati enough. This is probably the most we've ever talked about in FC Cincinnati in the podcast. Um, but let's get into an expansion team who we'll hopefully talk a lot about this season in Austin FC who signed their second DP, Thomas Pochettino. Obviously, no relation, no relation, English is hard. No relation to Maurizio Pochettino, um, although he is Argentinian. They only spent two and a half million on him, and there was some interest from Europe, apparently. So what do you guys know about Thomas Pochettino, and will he be a good fit on Austin? Personally, I don't know any specifics about Pochettino. I... Do remember seeing his name though, which I I mentioned that in order to outline that he is a somewhat of a big player. He's somewhat of a watched talent. I follow a couple of Argentinian media outlets, and so I I do keep tabs a little bit on their players in their league. And he's a name that has come up a few times. So, and speaking of uh, one of the outlets that I follow, Galasso, they actually tweeted about this move today, and they mentioned how mo- how it was a steal that they were only getting him for 2.5 million. And I think that's a big deal. So that's that's a really fun thing to see that even an expansion team like Austin, they went after their guy and Pochettino even mentioned that Austin was always a front runner for him because even though he had interest from these European clubs, Austin showed a lot of trust in him as a player. So it also sounds like he's going to be a very important part of their team. And so I'm very much looking forward to that. Also, side note, uh, one of the music ensembles that I teach, it's a local ensemble, the name of the group is Q2, and Austin FC recently announced the naming rights to their stadium. It's being called Q2 Stadium. There is no relation between the group I teach and this tech company in Austin, Texas, but it is so fun to have that little crossover appearing in my worlds, and I am super hyped about Q2 Stadium. And there's now a lawsuit pending. Uh, between that <laughs> company and this no-name brand that you teach. No, no, we're a non-profit. It's all good. That doesn't matter at all, but uh, okay. <laughs> Drew, do you know anything about Thomas Pochettino? Uh, and what type of player is he? Obviously central, but is he a box-to-box midfielder, defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder? Yeah, um, just not from watching him a whole lot, but from watching his highlight reels, he scores bangers, so I'm all for that. So I guess he's more of an attacking midfield role. Um, I'm watching the highlight reel right now, and I'm trying to figure out what teams from Europe he was gaining interest from, because everyone, when they talk about this guy, they just said he had suitors from Europe, and I'm not really sure what that means. The only team I've seen named with this guy is River Plate, which he played at Boca, so that's not the European team, obviously, but that's the only team I've seen named linked with him but yeah i'm excited about it i think josh i think it was josh that brought it up that it's interesting that mls is spending money right now um even though it seems like the cba fiasco is behind us um, but pandemic still going on but what i thought was interesting this is a little tied more into fc cincinnati but it feels like the league has not been hit by the pandemic as much as other leagues um, specifically FCC's owner, I forgot his name, but he like sold his company for like $350 billion this past week. 
It's something crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna find the numbers before the end of this episode. Three hundred and fifty billion. I because I remember seeing because FC Cincinnati was writing about it, and I saw the line in the background of the news article. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This much money, FC Cincinnati, something's not adding up. So it's just weird that now this is when the clubs are spending money. But it's good. I'm excited about him. He scores bangers. What second DP? Um, and I think that's that leads into why they got him on such a steal, right? That some leagues are really being hit by this thing, um, which is very understandable. Obviously, we get that, and that sucks. But they're just trying to get these players out of there. Um, and maybe that's helping MLS getting these players um, for steals. So I'm excited about it. The highlight reel is really fun. Um, the price tag is really cool. And I'm really excited to see Austin FC, um, see what they got. Connor, have you have you found this? I swear I'm not lying. Have you seen this figure yet? Uh, I'm looking it up. Okay, it's not three hundred and fifty billion. Three point five billion. Okay, I didn't see the dust. Oh one. yeah, huge difference. Not a big deal at all anymore. Well, it's a bit of a difference <laughs> between three hundred and fifty billion dollars, which would make him one change. of the which would make him the richest human being on the planet by a huge margin. Take that, Jeff Bezos. To it's not Jeff Bezos. I know. Anymore. I, just, I, I know. I know. I was just um, him. But there's a bit of a difference between three hundred and fifty billion and three point five billion. Um, What's the owner's name? Uh, Craig Lind- Lindner, the third. Because of course he's the third, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's quite the sale for. But yeah, that's the thing that I think MLS clubs aren't really being hit by this as much as other people because we have owners like that. We have owners like Arthur Blank who own a freaking NFL team on the side, who they're still getting money from this, and I think the league's taking advantage of that because while they're still taking a hit by any means, obviously they're taking a hit because this thing's running through, they're not taking as much of a hit as other leagues and they're using it to their advantage, which kind of makes it even more annoying that we had this CBA fiasco because we have owners who are selling their company for billions and we have owners who have NFL teams and we still had to deal with that. It's BS. You don't even get me started about all that stuff, but we should continue on with that MLS and talk about a very interesting transfer that came out of nowhere, kind of, but has been in on the back burners for a while. LA Galaxy are attempting to bring back Christian Pavon, uh, who is reportedly signed for $10 million for 50% of his rights. Uh, what do you guys think about this whole situation? I'm, I'm excited about it. I thought, again, when you talk about LA Galaxy, I think the issue is not the talent that is there, um, but it was the coaching and... I'm excited about this. He played at Boca Juniors, obviously high-profile club in Argentina. Um, again, it gets in this hole like we were talking about with South American players. You have 60% of his rights, so it's kind of like two clubs. Both clubs kind of have to be on board with this, but because I think what the offer said, they were buying 60% or is it 50? 50%, 50. 50% of a player. Yeah, so that's just weird. I don't understand that at all or how that works. Um but from LA Galaxy side, I'm a big fan of it. I thought he was good. Um, again, he's talented, but the coaching, I think when we talked about the Galaxy struggling, it was always this frustration that it's not because there was a lack of talent there. Um, so I'm excited about it. I think his transfer market, I think I looked at it today, it was about $17 million, I want to say, something like that. Um, so again, I mean, if they get him for $10 million, that's a steal, I think. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of it. Uh, I think he was pretty good. 
and I'm excited to see what he can do. Again, this hasn't been made official, but it's so weird to get excited about these moves because it's, it's like impossible for me to comprehend in my comprehend in my brain buying 50% of a player. But these guys, they're in the front offices. They know what they're doing. But I'm a fan of it. I think he was good. I'm excited to see what he would do under Greg Vanny with the Galaxy. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of it. I would like to see what he would be like under Vanny. Josh, what do you think about Pavone possibly coming back to Los Angeles? Yeah, it's the same thing for me. And Connor, you can feel free to jump all over me for this. But from from my point of view, like from an outside perspective of Toronto, it always seemed like Vanny was really good at getting the most out of his star players. And if he's going to have Pavone at his disposal, then that is certainly a star player. And I, I would trust Vanny a lot more than I would trust uh, uh, Guillermo Barroscoloto with the coaching. So that's how I'm feeling about it. It'll be interesting to see how he works under Vanny. Obviously, Vanny wanted wingers uh, primarily when he was with Toronto, and it didn't really work out because Toronto couldn't bring any good wingers. Um, but having a player of Pavon's quality, I think would be huge for Galaxy. They desperately need him when you look at how terrible they are otherwise and how terrible they were last year. And he was a real bright spot for them. So hopefully he helps turn Galaxy around because they're a bit of a mess right now. Just like CJ Sapong is going to turn Nashville at, uh, Nashville's chances around and, revitalize them as a team and bring them to MLS Cup glory because it's just such a massive signing. What do you guys think about CJ Sapong joining Nashville? Dang, man, when you're why are you all over this? MLS because Cup change, that's what I think about it. It's so st- like Whoa. it is a, it's a move. It's a borderline <laughs> beneficial move. Like Sapong is okay, but Nashville need more help up front than CJ Sapong. I don't know, man. They, they. I, I was satisfied with Nashville season. I, I think Nashville's fine. Defensively, they were great. Defense wins championships, bro. You score one goal, you shut them out. Three points, three points. Yes. The issue is you need to score that one goal. You can get a lucky bounce every now and then. Sin Walker Zimmerman up on a set piece. You got it. <laughs> I think Nashville definitely need reinforcements. Okay, Connor's right. Not enough in the attack for them. However, Drew. Also brings up a good point. CJ Sapong's not a nobody. I mean, he's a veteran forward. I think he could bring some value to this team. And you look at Nashville's entire identity, and it's basically MLS veterans with a few young, fun players sprinkled here and there, kind of. But they're still hard workers. And that's their team. That's just how they are. And that's cool. So, yeah, I think they need a little more, but I totally understand the signing. And... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they are not with Don Baji anymore, and so this kind of feels that this kind of fills that spot on the roster. So, I mean, hey, more power to them, I guess. All right, and we'll wrap up our transfer talk with the third youngest transfer, I believe, or fourth youngest transfer in MLS history, with the New York Red Bulls signing 15-year-old homegrown Bento Estrella. Anyone else feel really old? Well, when you see that he was born in 06, then yes. Definitely feel old. 06 is like one of the first years I remember like everything from. You know, like for me, it started around like 04. So 
Yeah. I mean, I was I was in middle school. No, I was getting close to middle school when he was born. So, yeah, kind of, kind of makes me feel old. I'll make you feel even more old. I just started elementary school. Oh, man. Just graduated from that's, kindergarten. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. What's yeah. another really fun fact is that he was actually signed when he was 14. Yeah, I, I put that he's 15 because it's been a couple days, and he signed when he was 14 and 364 <laughs> days old. <laughs> and I saw, I, I saw that, and I was like, I, I refuse to put that he was 14. I'm putting it that he's 15 because he's 15 now. <laughs> that makes a bit more sense. Like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> but he was a day away from 15. So they signed a 14-year-old is what they did. But 15 for the sake of the pod. There's no way he gets any minutes with the first team this year, right? Right? He's going to score his first goal against Atlanta United. Why are you asking this question? Ah, dude, That's you're true. right. You're right. Never mind. Who am I kidding? All right. Well, better remember this name. Red Bulls do need somebody to field the or to play because uh, they don't have very much left. <laughs> so I wouldn't rule it out if we're being completely honest. But uh, what else did they do? Oh, they sent a 25-year-old Brazilian forward, Fabio Roberto Gomez Neto, on loan from Brazilian Serie B side. I thought that'd be fun to put in there since this is a Brazilian player. And that was before we we were talking a lot about how there are a few Brazilian players in MLS. Yay. <laughs> That's such an exciting transfer. Oh, come on. I don't uh, think it's got some value. You think about the Red Bull scouting network that they have, and they have, they own a team in Brazil now. Whether or not it's the team that Neto is coming from, I don't think so. But it it could it could pan out. You never know. I feel like with Red Bull and City, like they always have these no-name players from these like obscure leagues or divisions, and they sometimes work and sometimes don't. So we might be talking a lot about Neto in the coming months. All right, we'll see if old takes exposed gets me with that take. Uh, but or me, next, yeah, one of the two. Either way, old takes exposed is going to have a field day with that, this episode. Uh, Vancouver are starting their season in Salt Lake. Okay. Uh, also, Make the Jerome, joke, comple- Connor. Make the joke. It's in the dark. Yeah. No. Uh, I'm going to assume that you have no nothing to add, by the way, Drew, to the Brazilian 25-year-old from the Serie B in Brazil discussion. <laughs> the Serie B. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact that I just saw on MLSsoccer.com that this transfer, the not getting away from Brazil... This transfer, um, the 14-year-old uh, um, Bento, is he for, yeah, the youngest ever in New York Rebel history, beating out one Tyler Adams, who was until then the youngest signing in Rebel history. And I think things are turning out pretty dang well for Mr. Tyler. So I'm just saying, maybe, you never know. But uh, yeah, Vancouver's starting out in um, Salt Lake. I didn't put the joke in the dock, so I'm not going to say it. But I don't know who did, but I it was love, really funny. I think you both thought each other put the, the joke in the document, so I'm just sitting over here enjoying every second of this. I didn't put it in the dock. I, I don't that's get smart. it. Oh, I put it. What do you mean you don't get it? Real Salt Lake and fake Salt Lake? <laughs> yes, well... Uh... <laughs> Real Salt Lake? More like fake <laughs> Salt Lake. You didn't get it. I thought it was just some stupid joke because they're also on the water... Salt Lake, I don't know. No, 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 just because there's Real Salt Lake, so there's got to be a fake Salt Lake if there's going to be another team there. If I could Uh, climb through my TV, my computer screen, I would punch you. Um, (laughs) To be fair, I don't deserve full credit on this. I think I saw 
the phrase fake Salt Lake tweeted out at some point. So it was like in my brain, but I didn't come up with it on my own. So not only is it a terrible joke, you it's stole hilarious. it too. No, it's an awesome joke. All right, you're already turning into a dad and you're 25. You have no idea. This is not the first joke of this genre that I made today. There were several others. Please tell me this wasn't the joke you were talking about. It is not, before actually. Before we were talking. Okay, good. It is not, but it's. I am proud of that. All right. <laughs> um, that's... I see the joke. There I can't swear on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the CBA, because... Okay. Uh, there's a new CBA. Players in the league both agreed to it in the final hours, slash they didn't tell us until the next day. It's going through 2027, so the league got what they wanted. Players did get an improvement in free agency, though. And as we spoke about last week or the week before, that's always been a really huge point for them. And it always felt like they would be fine giving up control until 2027 or whatever in exchange for better free agency. So they did... In, in their mind, I bet if you ask the players, they'd probably see it as somewhat of a win. Potentially. We don't know the full details yet, so it could be massively skewed in one of the two sides' favor- favors, um, which we just don't know yet. But one of the things that did come out of this, and I think it's huge, there will be an under-22 player initiative that was confirmed in the writing of the CBA. So... That means we will have more expensive young talent, which I think is huge to MLS's growth and development because they'll, it'll allow teams to start to pair young talent uh, from South America with more established talent who may not have cut it, like what Toronto FC has done in the past, with those European players. And hopefully we'll elevate, elevate the league even more than uh, the continued attraction of South American players coming here before heading off to Europe. But what did you guys think about the CBA? Did you think it was a, from what you've seen, do you think it was a fair deal? And how do you think all of this ended up? And what do you think the players union's relationship with MLS is now like? That is a very good question. Um, again, Man, how is the players' union's relationship? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's great, obviously, because it's kind of annoying that they had to do this again. Um, the CBA running through 2027. I think I talked about it last week's episode. Just the idea of 2026 in my brain is just weird because that's such a big deal. Everything, it kind of feels like everything's pointing toward that year with hosting the World Cup. Um, but I want to make sure I got this free agency thing right because I think that might be the biggest thing that came out of it. And Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's after four years of service and you're 24, you qualify for a free agent. I think it's something like that. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It sounds right. I just can't remember the exact thing, and I forgot to save it for this. Yeah, I think it's something like that. So that's really good, the free agency. That seemed like the biggest thing coming out of this is the free agency. I think players are pushing for that a lot. So I'm happy that, that the players got what they wanted because it kind of felt like the players were just getting thrown around by rich billion dollars people um so happy to see them get that annoying that this had to happen again but happy they got it done um season yeah starts on april 17th now uh that was announced is that yesterday that wasn't long ago when that was announced so that's exciting um 
But yeah, I mean, they got a, not a whole lot to say about free agency. They got players got the bag secured, I guess is the way to put it. So I'm excited about that. Either of you guys have any thoughts on this? Just happy to see it get done. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm happy that it's done. You know, it's been a little stressful, and I think selfishly I, I mentioned that I just wanted to know that we were going to have a season, like I wanted the games to come back. Um, I It just still bothers me so much that the owners are not willing to increase the amount of investment that they put into their teams. Like we mentioned earlier, like they are at an advantage because of the pandemic, and yet they still found the time to squeeze some extra player, uh, some extra money out of their players. And it's disappointing to see. And, you know, I really wonder if there were some owners upset with Cincinnati's uh, uh, new signings getting leaked a little early, you know, before the CBA had been ratified, because, you know, here they are splashing cash as the worst team in the league, and the owners are crying you know, crying poor over in the corner. So I wonder if that caused a little bit of friction. I imagine it did with some owners. But yeah, it's just disappointing to watch them continuously take advantage of the players. And it'll just be interesting in my mind to see where we're at in, in six years when this has run its course and we see the effects of hosting a World Cup. And I just, I just hope the players didn't lose on too much money, lose out on too much down the road. But again, they really wanted improvements in free agency, and they finally got, I think, closer to what they've all, always wanted. And it was a big issue for them even in last year when they were doing the CBA. So I have more thoughts on the timing of this, which you guys can see in the, in the doc that I, I'll touch on a little bit. But Connor, did you want to add anything to the new CBA? Not really. There never should have been a negotiation to start with. Uh, I think is my main issue because I don't think the owner should have done this in the middle of a pandemic uh, as one of the owners sells or signs a business deal that will make him $3.5 billion. Um, now, I understand that the league has said that they expect to lose a billion dollars this year, but uh, that's not going to happen because no. Uh, so it's just frustrating is what it really comes down to ultimately. But yeah, I don't really have much to add. We've talked about this for two weeks in a row now, three weeks in a row. So I'm just glad to move on and focus on MLS and transfers because I believe the official MLS window opened yesterday. So hopefully we'll start to see more transfers through that. Uh, But Josh, what did you want to add? I am frustrated with the season being pushed back now a couple weeks with the CCL schedule and where it falls this year. Okay. Why? So in a normal season, CCL, its first round is usually the third to fourth week of February. And MLS teams are always in preseason at this point because the season usually starts the first weekend of March. And so MLS teams are at a disadvantage because the League MX teams have already been playing their season uh, for a couple of weeks. So they're at a, a high level of match fitness, and it always takes its toll on the MLS players, especially when those MLS teams have to travel to Mexico and play at altitude. So that's usually how it goes. This year it was going to be a little different. CCL, actually, wait a minute, I might be mixing up. When... When is the first round of CCL this year? No, no, I'm not mixing it up. Okay, first round of CCL this year is in April, in the second to third week, if I remember correctly. It's sometime mid-April. 
and the second round happens late April, early May. If MLS was starting at its normal time, non-pandemic, at the beginning of March, MLS would finally, I feel, be able to compete with the Liga MX teams based on match fitness. We even saw a, a good taste of it back in December because MLS teams were still fit from having played their season. Liga MX teams were kind of at a disadvantage. Um, but then this year, MLS originally announced it'd be back April 3rd. And while that's not ideal in the grand scheme from a CCL perspective, it was still going to give MLS more of an advantage than usual because now they're a couple weeks into their season. So they're more likely, I think, to compete with the Liga MX teams. Now, instead, you've pushed the season two, uh, two weeks back and now you're back to normal where your MLS teams are not going to be caught up from a fitness level, and I think we're going to see them struggle again with League MX teams, and so I am a little concerned that maybe this isn't the year that MLS team wins CCL, as close as they came last year. It's an interesting take. Uh, we'll see whether or not they're at match fitness, but again, it's going to be a tough season no matter what for MLS clubs in total because of the amount of international matches that they're going to have to play. Uh, but let's dive into the Champions League schedule and into the entire Champions League draw because that was announced this past week. And Drew, I want to get your thoughts on this first um, because I'm going to mute Josh for the next couple minutes uh, for his terrible, terrible joke of Forge facing off against Leon, uh, which in reality is either Forge or Toronto FC. But based on the schedules and the fact that Toronto may not even be able to play face put a full healthy actual team in Canada for this game it may actually happen like that but whoa whoa hold on a second first I only speak facts second I had no (sighs) idea about the whole Toronto not being allowed into Canada situation before writing that joke just so you know I just think Forge was going to be Toronto anyway don't make me pitch your voice (laughs) up again because I will I will (laughs) <laughs> I, hold, I I wield this power that I think you forget about sometimes. Um, I won't. I, it's honestly probably a fair assumption because Toronto might have to play their TFC2 side, honestly, uh, because they won't be able to have players, Canadian players, in Toronto due to international competition and the MLS season happening in the US and Canada's current quarantine. So unless forge come to the states it might just be a forge facing leon and by forge facing leon i mean forge being beaten to a pulp by leon um drew what did you think about the draw and who do you think came out best from the draw yeah i um i'm looking at the bracket right now and when you look at the first round matchups i'm not seeing besides that uh forge leon game that is inevitably going to happen um there's not a team that i'm seeing on this first round that because i mean rather than that there's no one's playing Monterey in the first round no one's playing tigres i don't know is tigres even in this thing i don't know no they're not which is hilarious that's funny. Also, this is random, but the fact that they did not wear their third kits in today's Club World Cup final is why they lost. Just going to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, but it's the second round, right, is when it looks like MLS teams are going to start facing these giants because um, if Portland goes through, you assume Club America would go through, Portland would play them. Um, but the team that I think got out the best, I'm going to say Philadelphia. 
because they have Saprissa in their first round, and they would play the winner of Atlanta United's game. And assuming Atlanta wins, I have no idea how Alawahense from Costa Rica is. I don't know how good they are. Um, so I'm not going to pretend that I have a massive scouting report on this Costa Rican team. But Philadelphia, I mean, it looks like the first time they would see a Liga MX giant would possibly be Club America in the semifinals. Um, but besides that, um, again, Club Leon matchup, uh, Columbus Crew, if they were to go through, it looks like they would play Monterey in the second round. Um, again, Portland looks like they would play America in the second round. So I think Philadelphia came out clear-cut winners over this. Um, again, we're not sure what Philadelphia is going to look like with Aronson gone and just this crazy season that they're going through. So I think And Mark McKenzie. Don't forget and Mark, Mark McKenzie, McKenzie gone. So who the heck knows if Philadelphia is going to Who the heck knows if Philadelphia is going to win? I mean, I don't know. No one knows what's going to happen in CONCACAF Champions. I remember the first time Atlanta was in CONCACAF Champions League, we played Herediano, and people were picking like Atlanta 5 nothing, And then they lost the first leg. They came back the second leg. But I have no idea what's going to happen in CONCACAF. So, but if I were to pick a, a winner out of this this draw in MLS, I'm going to say Philadelphia Union looks like uh, the lesser of the evils in this draw. What about the loser? Who do you think the big loser is? Uh, Toronto FC. Thank yeah, you. It's pretty easy. Yeah, because Toronto FC will have to face Mexican club Lyon, Mexican club Cruz Azul, Monterey, who I believe is also Mexican, and likely Club America in the final. So if they do win, nobody could say it's a, for a lack of having to go through the good teams. I have some slightly different thoughts from you guys, I think, in general. I think the winner in terms of like an MLS team is Columbus in terms of a, a first-round matchup because I have I'm, I won't say that I'm familiar with these teams, but I've heard of... Saprisa, they're always one of the top teams in Costa Rica. I know that much. I've heard of Marathon from Honduras. They're playing Portland. And I have at least heard of Alawalense, even if I've, I don't know much about the team or anything. But I've never heard of Real Esteli from Nicaragua. So I have a feeling the crew, especially with all the depth reinforcements that they've made over this offseason, that they can actually hang in the beginning and possibly then get their butts beat by Monterey in the next round. <laughs> I do also want to say that I think this might be the most winnable year for MLS. That being said, I don't think any of these teams are particularly that strong. I think Columbus is the strongest MLS team, and now they're stuck on the Liga MX heavy side of the bracket. If they had gotten Atlanta's draw, where you likely are facing Philadelphia and then maybe Club America, who are terrible right now, don't forget, then you could argue that Columbus has a pretty easy pathway to the final. But they're not on that side of the bracket, of course. Get CONCACAFed. So, who knows? Like Drew said, and you as well, Connor, Philadelphia have lost a couple of really important pieces. So, normally I would say they're, that they're fine, but Saprissa always, they put up a battle in CCL. And, and I think they just played uh, Montreal and and took Montreal out. And they, look, they, they know what they're doing in these type of tournaments, so I could definitely see them giving Philly problems. Let's, ha- let's, have a, let's do a fun activity. For a second. Uh, way too early prediction for each match. Each so, match? Yeah. Well, two legs? Are you talking like yeah. just overall? Or each, like each leg. Not like each matchup. Like who's going to go through the first round? Yes. Thank you. 
Early March Madness. I like it. Wait, do you want us to like get yeah. the score right too? Because that's where I always screw these things up. Please no. Just no. Can we just pick winners. Right, we don't have right, time right. to do scores either. At this point, we'll just do winners. Only you two. I'll just ask because I'm. There's no point. You two are more knowledgeable in my opinion, uh, and I'm biased. Uh, um, but I probably will share the same opinion of all of you when it comes to every single match. Uh, so we'll start on the left side of the bracket. Cruz Azul versus Arcaya. So I assume I pronounce it. I think, Drew, we can agree on this one pretty easily. Cruz Azul. Next up, Forge FC or Toronto FC versus There is no or. It's just Forge. We have you to include you Toronto it. FC. You misread it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, okay. I have to include Toronto FC. <laughs> I'm picking Leon. Leon, yeah, Leon. Toronto FC. I know. Yeah, Chris Armas leading y'all. Someone's to the gonna pick land. the upsets. If a 16 seed can beat Virginia, then it can happen. Yeah, it only took once in like how many years? And how many of those? Kinds the one of time I picked the number one seed to win a national championship, mind you. I hate March Madness. I'm picking Toronto simply because of the home leg. I think they'll beat Forge first of all, and I don't think Leon will be able to deal with the Toronto weather very well. That's my logic. That's fair. Next up, Monterey versus P- Pantoja. Pantoja. Monterey. I'm going Monterey. Yeah, I'm going Monterey as well. Shocker. Next up, Columbus versus Aristelli. Columbus. Columbus. The first round's a little easy. When it I'm going to take Stelly. All right. Because I think they could be the team that knocked out Toronto last year. Or two years ago, if you remember that, where Terrence Boyd skied a shot. Oh, the, the that penalty. Wasn't the team? No, that wasn't that team, but I think they could be like that team. I don't oh, know. Okay. I'm just trying to make this interesting. I don't know. Toronto were really bad at that point. They were terrible at that point. They were, and I don't think they had any DPs playing. Yeah. Uh, Tons of injuries. Yeah. Philadelphia versus Saprisa. I'm going Saprisa. This is hard because I'm imagining <laughs> one team is going to make a magical run. They're going to be all our hope and joys in MLS. And I have a hard time saying because i already have my prediction for the next game um i'm gonna say philadelphia i'll say philly all right interesting next up atlanta versus Alahu. Oh, Alahuense. i didn't have the pronunciation in front of me um atlanta versus Alahuense. i'm going atlanta atlanta i a lot of this is just me guessing i know nothing about this team so but <laughs> in stripes as hell all right, Club America versus Olympia. I'm going to pick Olympia. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm going to pick America, although I think Olympia puts up a big fight. Sorry. Let's I'm saying Olympia. Up those teams. Woo. Olympia. Interesting. Oh, uh, I should. Oh, man. I, I, okay. Come on. What is hey, it? Can I, can I change picks? I think I'm, yes. I'm changing my MLS super club, MLS hopes and dreams. I'm going to say Saprissa beats Philly. Yeah, join the dark side. All right. I disagree, and I'll take Philadelphia. Finally, Portland versus Marathon. Portland. I'm saying Portland. That's that's what made me change my pick. I think Portland's going to be the club that we the MLS puts its hopes and dreams in to ultimately be shattered, but I'm picking Portland. Yeah, definitely Marathon for me. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm not playing around. Definitely Marathon. It's not even going to be close. Okay. Uh... I don't know if I agree with <laughs> that pick or with Drew's Portland pick because I think it'll be Columbus who will be all of Toronto, Toronto's, all of MLS's hopes and dreams. That or Toronto FC because 
the last time they had to go on a miracle run, it went pretty well until penalties, but we'll ignore that. Uh, so yeah. Do you guys have anything you want to add to this episode? Barring any major injuries, and I'm talking like a Joseph Martinez level type of injury, I think Atlanta United are going to the CCL final this year. I think that silence what you says just say? a lot. Barring any Joseph Martinez level type injuries, right? So unless something like stupid crazy like that happens again, I think Atlanta are going to the CCL final. Wow. I truly believe that this team is going to work really hard under Heinze. And I think they're going to be able to squeak their way through these first two rounds because they they can handle Alawalense from a talent standpoint, and I think they can grit out a win over Philadelphia or Saprissa should they have to. And then by then, they've got months to get used to playing under Heinze. And should they have to play Club America, a team they've beaten twice in the last two years, mind you, including when they were at their lowest point ever, then I think, yeah, Atlanta can get past them and make it to the final. I, this is more a favorable draw than anything, but I do believe it, that it will happen, barring any major injuries. Atlanta is this next MLS club that we ultimately... It's going to hurt even worse for us. It's going to hurt so bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to hurt so bad. Oh, I look forward to you two understanding what I deal with on a daily basis every time you mention the and then, Champions And League. until then, we can laugh about Forge beating Toronto. <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, and... <laughs> Yes. Let's just end it on that before. (laughs) I hope you're not, but you probably (laughs) will be because we won't have a roster. We might even have to forfeit for all I know. (laughs) Um, But without further ado, we've been going for 96 minutes. We'll see whether or not I cut the intro down because the intro was terrible. Um, Drew, take us out. Yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, really appreciate you guys sticking around as we talk crazy MLS offseason as news continues to develop. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, to check out all of our writers' written content as seasons begin to take shape, rosters begin to take shape, and news starts to break. Our writers are doing a really awesome job of cranking out really great stuff. And you can see those stories come out as they get posted on social media by following MLS Multiplex on Twitter at MLS Multiplex. You can also find us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. So give us a follow on Twitter. And yeah, thank you guys again so much for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in next week as news continues to develop and we get ready for the next upcoming MLS season. So thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.